on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. One thing that I think a lot of business owners could do well at, as in just listening to their team more, you can you can have the final say, that's fine. But I think when you're able to get your team more involved, it makes the process more enjoyable for, for you, for one, because you don't have to put as much bandwidth into it. And then number two is it allows your team to feel more fulfilled in their position, which I think like if your team feels in line with your vision, then you'll be able to go farther at the end anyways. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. Hey, what's up everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. Welcome back. Today's guests. Yes, that's right. I said an S on the end of that word. First time in Gathering the Kings podcast history where I've recorded with two entrepreneurs on the same show. These guys are brothers, Tanner and Benson Chittister. They are in the online space and not just um, any online coach, one of the most successful online business coaches. And a little secret, this guy I personally have been coached by and mentored. Well, both these guys, actually. So I want to just preface this by saying that you don't have to be an online entrepreneur to get nuggets from this show. But I'm telling you right now, these guys have built a multiple eight-figure business into the tens of millions. And um, they're young and they're fiery and you're going to get a ton. So grab that pen and paper. Here we go. All right, everybody. This is Chaz Wolf. I'm your host, Gathering the Kings. I've got a absolute treat today. The brothers, Tanner and Benson Chittister. Fellas, welcome to the King stage. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, what's up, man? That was a hell of an intro. I love it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, just wait wait until I record the the actual intro about whatever we're about to get into. It's going to be awesome. So Tanner, obviously you guys um, are, are well known in the online space, but just in case someone's listening and has no idea who the Chittister brothers are, tell me what tell kind me of business that you're, that you're in, in uh, uh, and what do you guys do? Yeah. So, uh, Shoot. I guess the easiest way to say is we help people scale and grow their online businesses. We actually, you know, we have a pretty high emphasis in the fitness industry. I'd still say like, that's probably what 50% of our clients and the rest are, you know, more general business owners, real estate, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a minute now, man. I mean, a little over four years now. So it's kind of surreal. Like we're still going hard and a lot of stuff's happened, but yeah, we have fun with the that's cool, man. Obviously, we know each other because I went through uh, your mastermind program and uh, was introduced to a lot of the online space because of you guys. So, uh, funny, funny story, Tanner. You never, you never knew this because I didn't tell you, and ben, and Benson, it never came up in our conversations. But I actually knew of you guys when I worked at Grant Cardone's office. Um, I saw, I must have seen one of your ads, and so oh, when I came across you guys again, somehow, I don't even know how I got connected to you originally, but I remembered you in an ad holding your big, you know, um, click funnels award. <laughs> and I'm like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, that was a long time ago when I saw that it was a many, a couple, you know, several years ago, probably early 2019, I guess. So yeah, it's the story goes, it's crazy. Story goes back crazy how much this happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, good. Okay. So you guys are in the online coaching space. You are helping lots of different entrepreneurs 
you've even helped guys like me outside of the fitness space. So thank you for that. But then also, you know, I think you're going to be able to provide a lot of um, just uh, value today to the entrepreneurs that are listening. Most of the guys that are listening today are in the six figure range, right? They're trying to get to the seven figure mark. That's why they're listening to the show. And so obviously you guys have blown way past that. Um, but I'm, I want to take us back to your journey of getting to seven figures and even to the eight figure mark. But before we do that, why do you still do it now? Why do you push as hard as you do four years in, like you just said, when you've had all the success, made all this money, millions and millions, why do you still do it? I think it took me a few years to figure out because, I mean, at first it was 100% about the money. I mean, for sure. Then I got all the money and it was, it just is, it's never as good as you think it is. Like even now, like there will be days like I push so hard. And uh, like this week I've been doing six, 18, 18 hour days just because like a couple of guys are on vacation, et cetera. And, you know, they worked hard. So I was like, all right, I'll step in. So I'm doing like calls, all that type of stuff. Um, But I would just, it just comes down at the end of the day. It just comes down to, you know, being the best I can be. And then as I progress even more and I've met more high level people, you know, one of the little paraphrases Alex Ramosi uses, he always says something like, we're all going to die. And it's like a joke, but he's like really serious about it. And he even said that to me on my birthday. Uh, or, or like Layla, they was like, Oh yeah. Like happy birthday, even though nothing really matters, but like happy birthday. And it's, it gives me perspective because like we are all going to die. And so I think it just comes down to like, what do you really enjoy doing? And what I've realized is it's not, it's not so much that I do enjoy business, but I just enjoy, like, that's what I feel pushes me to the next level. It's like by doing more revenue, by creating more companies, like there's always a next step. And like, I just want to like, live my life that way. So when I die, I don't look back and have regrets. And so it's not about the money anymore, but I just truly like love it. So like now we have like a portfolio company with uh, Gentry as a CEO. You know, I was talking about you before Benson hopped on about maybe moving Benson into a CEO position. We've got two other portfolio companies uh, with CEOs in place. I'm about to bring on a fifth one uh, in the fitness space. And so that's like the next thing for me is like, okay, can I be an owner and grow a business where like, I'm not the face and I'm not pushing it. Like, can I, can I do that? And can I like get my business in a position to sell at a high multiple, you know, I could sell it now, but at a high multiple. Um, So I think it's that that's a long winded answer, but I just think there's so many people, it's just very mediocre life. Like they don't go for anything. They're scared about everything. They worry about what everyone thinks. And yeah. I mean, I was I was more adverse to that at a young age already, but I think now that I've just turned 30, like my level of like caring is like extremely low. Like to the meaning like I'm just going to do what I want to do because it fulfills me and like that's what gives me enjoyment and purpose. Because if nothing really does matter or like at least the fact that we're all going to die then, you know, like Alex will say in a thousand years no one's going to remember you or not even that, right, then right. it gives you more freedom to just do what it is you want to do. So. Yeah, totally. And what I'm hearing you say also kind of below all that is that your purpose is really more and maybe more isn't necessarily attached to just necessarily more money, but just pushing more like I got to I build another company, buy maybe buy something, invest in somewhere, but like just always another level, which yeah. I would find yeah. pretty common in the entrepreneur world. You you help hundreds of entrepreneurs. Do you do you find that pretty common in the guys that are high performers, seven figures and above that they just want more? I would say so. I, I mean, I think, and then there's like the doubt, the other side of the coin is people will say, well, you know, if there's always more, you're never satisfied, you never enjoy it. But I mean, there's only so much you can sit around and do nothing. And so 
it's like, what do you want to do with your time? And for me, like outside of sports, when I was younger, I loved sports. Right. That's what I spent all my time doing. But you get to an age, you can't do it anymore. You're not good enough. And so I'm like, okay, what's the new thing? And for me, it's business because there's always a next level to push. There's always something new. There's a new level of growth. And um, I am inspired by people doing better than me. And the average human, I think, is the opposite, where they're in fear of people doing better than them. So I, I just like, I see people and like, I just have a feeling of like, I can do what they're doing. And so why am I not there yet? And it, I just feel this desire to get to that level because just to prove I can do it to myself. And the irony is as you get bigger and you get more validation for people and all these things, you realize that probably wasn't the motivator all along. I mean, it was at the beginning, but then you get there, you're like, yeah, like whatever, like that's nice. But it's really just like this battle with yourself. At least that's how I view it because I don't feel good when I don't feel like I'm doing my best. I just don't feel yeah. fulfilled. So, yeah, it makes me think of my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, who years ago was like, you know, why do you think you're so, you know, pushed and motivated all the time? Like, do you think it's yeah. because you want to be something that at that point, the person that I thought of was my dad, you know, in and out of prison and never around. And she was like, do you think that you're trying not to be that? And my answer was, if it is, it's subconscious because literally I wake up wanting more, just more. It's not that I'm trying to not be that. I'm trying to be who I'm supposed to be, which is what you're saying of just, I just want to push. I just want to play the game. I want to be better. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to keep going. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, relate to that. Benson, would you jump in here? Would you relate to that? Or what, maybe what, why do you keep pushing at this late? Yeah. I mean, well, I think the thing with Tanner that I think like makes him who he is and something I've noticed ever since a very young age is like, his ability to push people and and help them kind of catch the vision. So like going all the way back to like my young days and like when I first started working out, Tanner would push me to do things he didn't do at my age. And he'd, he'd be like, just do it, man. Like quit being such a girl. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I do, he's like, good job. I never did that. And so I think for me, it was just kind of instilled in like our parents and Tanner at a young age that it's like working hard is just what you do. Um, and I would say for me now, when we first started, it was, you know, we went out to South Carolina to do door to door sales. I get out there. Tanner's like, oh yeah, by the way, like <laughs> I'm doing this thing now. So I'm like, okay, so I'm basically doing this all by myself out here. I remember I came back. I had like one of the hardest days of my life. And I was like, bro, <laughs> he's like, do you want to do this with me? I'm like, yeah. And so from that moment forward, for me, it was the fact of I'm doing this not only for, you know, my family, but I have my brothers that I don't want to let down either. And for me, that's always been a big motivating factor that, you know, I want to, I want to push the business to a point where kind of like Tanner said, I want to push myself and grow my skills and abilities at the same time, but also challenge myself. But in doing so, I also don't want to let my brothers down. Like that's probably like the worst thing like that I could possibly think of for me is that if I let my brothers down, then it's like, you know, I don't really have much of a leg to stand on. Totally. Yeah. You guys, your guys, um, your personality profiles are just screaming, um, that, you know, obviously the, the difference between you guys is, is, uh, is evident, but such a, such a great pairing as well, which is obviously how you guys have done uh, a lot of the things you've done. So let's go back, let's go back in time. Let's go back to, you know, before eight figures, maybe even before seven figures, if you can remember back that far, I want to know where did it start? Why did you start this business? Or was it before that you were already an entrepreneur? You just, they just stumbled into this. Tell us what the beginning looks like. 
No, so uh, my whole life, I just wanted to play professional football. I mean, I think Benson did too. We like all I would do when I was a uh, shoot, I think it was 14. I made varsity at 14, 15, maybe. Either way, like my whole goal, I remember going into my sophomore year was um, very rare. Uh, two, three sophomores would make varsity. This is Texas. Football is extremely serious. And that was like, you're a god. And I remember going into the summer, I literally trained nine hours a day. I did three hours of running. I did three hours of basketball. I was a two-sport athlete at the time. And I did uh, three hours of lifting. And so when I showed up to school, not only that, I trained before that. But, like, when I got there, the coaches were like, holy, because, like, I didn't I didn't, hang, I didn't even know that was a thing. I couldn't drive yet. So it was like, I didn't hang out with girls. Grew up in a very religious home. So it wasn't even like, that's just yeah. what I did. And I pushed that as far as I could go until – I got hurt a lot. And then, you know, I probably wasn't good enough. And then that whole thing kind of imploded where I was like, wow, school sucks. Cause I was just basically doing my classwork so I could play football. Yeah. Um, And same thing in college. And I had good grades, but I realized very soon after that, I was like, man, like this is the rest of my life. This is depressing. Like I can't do this. So I'm going to get my degree and do a job and just make money till I die. Like it just was it, it like when it finally came in my mind. I was like, this is not the way. Right. So uh, I went home. I had lunch with the guy. His name's David Fry. He knows all he's connected to Russell Brunson, those click funnels, friend of my dad's. At the time, I actually was like, I don't want to say I was going off the rails, but his intention was to try to get me back into church and stuff like that. Yeah. And he was like, well, hey, dude, like if you drop out of college, like you could come to my house and like you can learn everything I know about marketing at my house. And that was a pivotal moment in my life because part of why I'm so good at tech and operations is that moment because I realized I didn't know anything. And so now in my business, like, you know, Gentry, for example, like he doesn't have as much tech skill yet because he never had to do it because it was all done for him. And that was a skill I learned. I didn't make any money. He taught me how to build a low ticket offer, how to do email campaigns. And like, I learned everything you can think about on the back end, building a low ticket product. So he'll say like, I didn't really help Tanner, but in about a year and a half, I built an entire product from scratch. And like, I knew a lot, like a lot of stuff. Yeah. At that point, I'm about 23 and a half. Right. And so I'm like, mm, I don't really like living at my parents' house. So like going to this, you know, guy's garage every day. I need to go live my life. So I moved up to Utah, got a thousand dollar a month apartment and I was doing Olive Garden while trying to get the business. And I'm about, you know, two years in now and I'm not making any money. I mean, I make, I made two G's in two years. So, you know, I'm coming up on 24 now, I think. And I'm just like calling this mentor and I'm like, Hey dude, like everyone thinks I'm an idiot. You know, even my family, like it was either very like kind of rude, like you're stupid or it was like, yeah, dude, like hope you're good. But it's like undertones of like, you're still stupid. It was like, it was, it was like, yeah, you little boy. Yeah. And like, I, you know, it wasn't working. And so I was like, you know, can't say I blame him, but I would call him multiple times and I'd tell him I was going to quit. And he would just always say like, just keep going, dude. Just like, he's like, you can do it. He's like, you're one of the smartest people I know you can do it. And that's what would frustrate me is I'm like, am I stupid or like, what, what, why is it not working? So I get this idea. Finally, I come to the conclusion that I was like, well, the reason the business isn't working is because I don't have money. And if I get money, then the business will work, right? Kind of like what some of us tell ourselves, even though that's stupid. 
So I'm like, I'm going to do door-to-door sales and I'm going to get real rich, right? And these guys are selling you on dreams of riches and gold in El Dorado, you know, door-to-door sales, completely (laughs) over-promising. Like say we're going to do 200 Gs and stuff. It's like, we're going to do like 50K. So anyways, I go out and I sell door-to-door for a company called Alder in Alabama for like six months. And it was, that was the worst and best experience of my life. I don't think I have or ever will do anything harder than that. And when I say that, like, like people say, oh yeah, I could do it for a day. I'm like, do it six days a week for six months. Yeah. And, and just like go to the worst areas in the hot sun, you got to put, you know, Vaseline all down your legs and stuff so you can walk. Uh, people are pulling, I mean, there's literally got to the point where like guns and knives and stuff, it wasn't a big deal because like, that's where we sold alarms. Yeah. Uh, you know, cops would pull up and say, do you know where you are? I was like, yeah, I'm in the right place. This is where all the crime happens. Perfect. Like, <laughs> get out of here. You're scaring everyone away. Right. Right. So right. I do that for about six months. I almost quit that as well. Benson. I mean, if Benson wasn't there, I probably would have quit. Cause I had a day where basically I made three sales and the technician effed up all my deals. And if they, it's like anything, if you're the sales guy and they back out, you don't get paid. And I about, I mean, I was so ready. I was ready to shove my foot so far up, you know, you know what, that it was going to come out of his mouth. And I was like, I'm done with this, you know, and Benson basically had like a great day. So it pissed me off even more. (laughs) And, um, but I stayed and I, I gutted it out. And that was probably the best experience of my life because towards the end of the summer, you know, I'm turning close to 25 now. And I'm like, okay, like if I don't figure it out now, like if I don't figure it out quickly, like I'm going to go back to school because I was like, man, I'm going to be a loser. Like I'm 25 years old at this point. It's been three years almost. Right. And it's like, I still am not making money. Right. And you know, I'm embarrassed to take girls on dates. People ask me what I do. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I got a business. Like, it's like, right. I'm literally a server at Olive Garden. You know, they're like, dude, you don't have a business. Like you want to be working here. Yeah. So at that point, I literally see an ad on Facebook and it's like how to start an online fitness business. And I was never on social media that much growing up. In fact, I didn't like it. So to this point, I mean, I'm 25. I barely have a social media. Yeah. I click on it and I sign up for this high ticket program. Never done high ticket. I was literally sweating and shaking. I'm like, Benson, I think was there. I don't know if Benson was there when I was doing it, but I paid him 2k out of my account. That was all I had. And I literally applied for a credit card for the first time in my life. And I paid it on the credit card. Wow. This is at the end of summer sale. So I had about a month before we start up. So I was like, I got a month to make this work or because, you know, once the sales start, it's hard just because your energy is so low. I mean, they drain you. I mean, it's so hard. Yeah. So I go, I get in the course and basically I get in there and I've done door to door sales. So I know sales. I've done the tech stuff back home. So I get tech but I never put it all together for an offer that would sell. So they're like, well, yeah, just sell it for 1500 bucks. I was like, so you want me to take my same program that I sold for 47 and sell it for 15 And they're like, yeah, and do it on the phone. I didn't watch any of the modules, not a single module. That's all I got. I, yep. I started messaging my following. Yep. Got them on 15 minute calls, pushed to an hour. And in the first week I made 10 grand. And at that moment, that's when Benson came back and I was like, Hey dude, I'm leaving. I figured it out finally. And it was a moment of like relief, but it was also actually, I was actually very upset because I was like, I was this close the whole time. Like, but in hindsight, I think doing door to door sales and those things, I wouldn't maybe have gotten to here where I am now because that stuff, like that stuff gave me like, I mean, 
like that was the hardest thing I've ever done. So when people complain, I'm like, dude, do door to door sales for six months. Like, yeah, trust me, what you're doing sitting on your butt at home is easy. Like it's not hard. Um, and then, and then from there, like I did a million dollars in a year and you know, here we are. So, yeah. So, I mean, I just appreciate the backstory there. What, what I'm pulling out for the listener here is there were multiple times where you wanted to quit and there was perseverance and, and then specifically inside of some of those moments, the skill sets that you learned along the way, a, a main one being uh, sales, of course, tech is going to be a variant on, on several backends of whatever type of business that it could be of operations and what tech stack that that company is going to use, but specifically sales is going to be involved in every single business. And so that skill set that you learn through the perseverance. Um, and I would say that I'm the same, like cold calling, man, like I learned a freaking ton and yeah. it changes you. We're, we're doing that right now with the team. That's going to be our new thing we're doing. And dude, I'm learning a ton. I mean, I'm not calling, I'm managing it, but I mean, but, when you get those sales, it's like, Sweet music, man. It's yep. beautiful, but it's hard. So it's hard. It's hard, but like you said, very rewarding. So, um, okay. So, first question around your journey is: I want to know of a good decision that you made, and maybe Benson, you can jump in here as well. But a good decision that you made along the way that was just instrumental to everything that you have today. Uh, Benson, you feel free to jump in anytime. I mean, it, just yeah, leaving. After, yeah, just leaving school, man. I wish I'd left school sooner. I mean, like, like the way I view school now at the time, I didn't know, but such a waste, like just a waste of time, waste of my energy. Like, I remember I was like, I really have a hard time quitting things. And so like leaving school to me was such a hard decision because it, I was like, it made me feel like I was a quitter. Yeah. But my mentor was like, dude, look, if you finish, he's like, you won't start your business. Cause what's going to happen is you're going to meet a cute girl. She's going to want to date you. You're going to start making a hundred K She's not going to want you to take like, and I was like, and then you're going to never do it. And he's like, it's now or never, man. And I just remember I was like, but I put all this work in and stuff. And he's like, yeah, you feel like you're going to lose it. But he's like, guess what? He's like, you're never going to use it. So it doesn't matter if you get it or not. And at the time I was so scared. But when I, once I left and I just burned the boat, I just had this conviction with my personality. I was like, I have to make this work because I'm not going to allow anyone to make fun of me. And I don't know if that's because as a kid, I was bullied a little bit because I was weird. But I remember that distinct thought of like, I'm going to, I'm going to prove everyone and I'm going to tell them to, you know, X, Y, and Z when I make it. And that was like a big motivator for me because I didn't want people to laugh at me. And I did. So I, I, I like literally told myself, I was like, I will figure this out or die. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously the school piece, I totally agree with you and I feel the same way. Um, and really you're re- referencing sunk costs, right? Like that's what keeps us tied to things longer. Well, than yeah. Cause like, Oh, I already put in all this effort. And, and even in some businesses now people still do the same stuff, but oh. the, the opportunity cost is like, what could be right. And, and we right. don't ever know, but you have to be a bit higher on the upside than you are what you want. You're going to lose. And people struggle with that all the time. In fact, the craziest stat Chaz is I, I did the math on how much we made, right. Since I, left school. And then I did the math of what I would have made if I finished. Sure. And it's like, I mean, dude, it's like 39 something million dollars. And, but, but if I had done that, no one would have known the difference for as long as I lived, it would have never even happened. And so I thought when, when I think about that, I'm like, how many people live a lesser life and they never even know because they decide not to do what's hard. Like that, that's like the craziest statistic for me. So 
Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Benson, jump in here, man. I'd love to hear. Yeah, what you're, I mean, I would say for me, I, I've probably had three really big defining moments. Uh, the first one was going off and playing, you know, college football. Went off and played college football at a junior college. Tanner actually got recruited to play there with me, um, which we kind of reminisce on sometimes. We're like, oh man, that would have been cool. For yeah, in hindsight, I should have gone with them. I went yeah. to I went to a higher ranked school, or or so I thought that would help my chances to get. Right you know, back to a D one program and it ended up just being an absolute nightmare. So, yeah. yeah. So I would say that that was like one big defining moment. I was 18, you know, away from home for the first time and in a completely, like I was culture shocked. We were sheltered as kids. I get out to school and I'm so innocent. My teammates are saying, you know, fam and cuz, and I'm like, wait, are you guys all related? And they're like, this guy like they're laughing at me i have no idea dude i'm like okay so huge culture shock and then i was able to grow and literally i went there for two things get good grades and you know get recruited by bigger schools after two years i had done just that then i went on a mission so i went on a church service mission trip to england i feel like for me i was a little bit ahead of the game on tanner when we hit the doors doing door-to-door sales because i had already done that in england like they speak, people say they speak English, but like they speak British. (laughs) So like, they're very sarcastic, like very harsh, like type of people with, with the way that they talk to you. And so you kind of have to just grow thick skin and then door to door sales. Like that was by far, I would agree with Tanner. That was the hardest thing. And like, I feel the same. If I wouldn't have done that with Tanner, I I probably would have quit. But those things like instilled in me, like that just when you think you can't do anything harder, you you can like yeah you do something hard and then you figure out what you're made of and then you can go and do something harder and that's how I feel like business has progressed for us over the past five years because it's constantly progressing and there's new problems that arise and then we push ourselves even farther. That that's like the biggest thing, Chaz, and that's like probably the saddest thing is like people they don't know what hard work even looks like, dude. Like and that's the thing. Like I'm always thinking the last few days I've gotten six hours of sleep and I've been waking up at four 30 and going to bed at 10. I took eight sales calls in the last, no, the last two days I've taken like, you know, 20 sales calls. I've went to the gym for two and a half hours. I'm, you know, and it's like, I'm just literally sit, sitting there going, what else can I do? And the average person is like eight hours of work. Like, right. And it's yes. just, it's just a completely different way of living. And where, where like, it even took me probably best could tell you like, it took me years to like kind of lower myself a little bit in the sense of like how to run a team because not everyone on the team thinks that way. It's like the 80, 20 rule. So maybe my 20% of executives and they're like, bro, like you just can't like do that. Or you can't say that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like he just needs to do it. And he's like, bro, like you're a freak. You know, Jen, would be like, dude, you're crazy. Like people are not like you. And, and it was just, it was hard for me to understand for a long time because I'm like, why would you want to be anything else than your best? But yeah, that, that to me is like the saddest thing I see is just people like, I don't know if it's the parents, like I, if it is, our parents did us a humongous favor because yeah. I just, it's just how they were like my dad, it's just what he did. And so we just saw it growing up. So I thought it was normal. Yeah. And then we yeah. get out in the real world and it's like, Oh yeah, your mom, my mom never made me food. I was like, Oh, my mom made me three meals a day every day. And so anyways, it's not to go off on a tangent, but I I will say like, you know, I'm I'm very glad what happened at a young age, because when I got older, I had such an advantage over people. It was like, it was unfair because work ethic is so 
undervalued. And unless you have a mental disability, I truly believe like, as long as you keep going, you will arrive, right? It's either that or you'll die first, but you will arrive. And I just think a lot of people are afraid of that. And I'm not sure why, but it's always done good things in my life. So yeah, I can agree. And, and it's uncomfortable. That's why. Right. Um, and so how, how do you, like, from a, from an ownership perspective, right? Cause again, the person that's listening right now, six figures, maybe they have a team of two, three, four, maybe, you know, and, and they're scared. They're scared to try to press into that because they're, they're seeing the same things that you are right now in business. People don't want to work or they don't want to work hard. And so it makes it difficult because like what you're saying, there's a gap between us as entrepreneurs. That's why we are where we are versus maybe somebody who doesn't want to put it all on the line like we do. And so what would you say to the entrepreneur listening right now as they're trying to build their team, they're scared to do it, they've tried to do it, didn't work, and they're running away from it, but they can't get that seven-figure mark without a team. We both know that. What would you say to them about what we're talking about right here? I mean, I think I think most of the entrepreneurs I see that stay stuck, even like, you know, even, even at 100K, I see this, is like a month. Um, they're just not good leaders. They don't understand what leading even looks like. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I, I, I always feel like I have to get better. And I always feel like there's things I should work on. I think um, sometimes my temper is a little short and so forth, but like, I'm not afraid to get in there with the team. Like I'll get on the calls, like, you know, I'll get, I'll get on reviews. I'll hop on as many calls as they want. Like I'll do whatever it takes. And most people they're like, Oh, I hired you. Like, here's the SOPs, like do it. And it's like, dude, unless you're paying like multiple six figures to that person, there's very few people you can be like, do it. Right. Right. And, and usually when you do get to that level, your business is already very big. So you've already learned how to work with like less skilled individuals. So most people come in, they're less skilled than you. They don't work as hard as you. There's just deficiencies. And so these owners, like, I'm like, dude, you have to work twice as hard when you build a team because until they are at 80% of your level, they can't step out. So most people can't get to seven figures because they don't have the skills. Then the ones who struggle to scale past that or, or get, you know, multiple seven, they don't know how to lead. And so I just see them just struggle with like people come and they go and like they, they get no consistency and results because it's just a total cluster. You know what? And yep. so yep. That, that's what I would say is like they you have to be willing to lead the team and it's by example. So like I think one thing that I do well is that at, at the very least, my team sees how much work I put in. And so no one ever comes to me and is like, Tanner's asking me to do more than he does. It's like, dude, if right, anything, right. I'm doing three times what you're doing. And yeah. so there's I, there's a little bit of respect there in terms, I think of like, okay, this guy's crazy and he's going above and beyond to try to like get stuff done. So like, what can I do to like help move the business? Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's a, a little bit of a personality thing too. You and I are very similar in that way where a lot of our worth um, even personally, just to ourselves is based on productivity, sure. um, and achievement. And so to your point earlier, I'd rather, I'd rather be doing something productive, even if it should be given away to somebody else, um, uh, rather than sitting on the couch doing nothing. And so, uh, yeah, you're right. Building, building trust inside your team can absolutely be done that way. And then eventually you have to give that stuff away. But to your point, it's funny, I just posted on Facebook about this, is that a leader or an owner usually is either not delegating enough and they're wearing too many hats, they're doing what you're saying, but for too long, or they're delegating too quickly, which is what you just said. They're giving it away too fast, no structure, no training, no SOPs. They're expecting more yeah. than what the person really can give. I'd say it's anyway. more the latter. Like I, I most delegate too fast. There's very few people I meet that it's like, I'm doing it too long. It's like, they're they're trying to like, 
they're trying to get out of the pain as quickly as possible. But I'm like, dude, by the, when you hire someone, you're looking at 60 days before you can step out. You're, you're about to not only pay them, but you're going to do their job at the beginning stages because the people who want the top bucks, you can't afford them. Yeah. You know, and so it's such a, I'm just kind of piecing this together because a lot of my work in business is done offline and a lot of yours is done online. And so I wonder if that big distinction there is based on that, just because I would say most, you know, restaurant owners and contractors and, you know, real estate guys, all the guys that are are more on the offline space have troubles of getting out of their own way. They're wearing too many hats. Their task list is too long. They need to give it away where the online space that you're trained to get a mentor, get a coaching program to offload, to, you know, get a VA. And, you know, like you're like, this is like part of the online space is to like give things away. And so maybe that's why you experience uh, more of that. Just kind of something that came to my mind. Let's flip the script here. Benson, I'm going to ask you first, uh, what's a bad decision in business that that was just like almost detrimental? I mean, it's kind of hard to think of that being that you guys had so much success, but what was something along the way that was just terrible and you would never do it again and highly recommend people stay away from it? Oh man, I think I think hiring the wrong person, it, genuinely speaking, I think Tanner will agree. He might have something else to say, but I would say hiring the wrong person. Hiring just yeah. to hire somebody so that you can get out and this once again comes to delegating too quickly. But, you know, as of recently, we've been hiring in, you know, uh, our sales division, right, for, you know, another coach for Gentry's company. And there's been a lot of due diligence there. Right now we're hiring for a coach and there's been a lot of due diligence. And so the worst thing you can do is make the hire too quickly just because you need somebody. And then that person ends up leaving after a month or, you know, they're, they're so bad <laughs> at performing their, their job, they have to get rid of them sooner than you want. So, yeah, definitely that. Yeah. Okay. Would you agree with that, Tanner? I think it's one of the things. I think the other thing is like overcomplicating the business. And I've seen this more as we've scaled is like, yeah. you know, you get bigger and sometimes you think it's, well, I need to add this and I need to add that and I need to add that. But in reality, you need to make it more sim- simple, less complex, because it gets hard to scale the more stuff and the more hats you have. And like, we're kind of experiencing that right now where the business kind of hit a peak and then we're like, well, or at least I was, I was like, okay, well, that just means we need like more channels and this and that we started doing all these things and made it more complex and it didn't really even help. And now like that we're in this season, I'm like, Hey, how can we simplify what we do so we can scale easier instead of like doing so many different things. And so I think, I think you see a lot of owners, especially like ones that are not at a super high level yet do that all the time. Like they're like, Oh, let me do YouTube and this and that and podcasts and Facebook and this. And it's just like, bro, like it's just not, you're just so distracted and none of it's really working great. And it's better off just having like one or two things and going from there. So like, even right now I had a conversation with my team about stepping back the marketing in terms of like all the stuff we offer. It's like, I think we should dial it back. Like let's dial it back to like a couple things and cut everything because it just simplifies it. And it, and it's like, we just focus on making that really, 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 really good. So yeah, I, I can, I can speak to this um, from being inside of your guys' coaching program and talking with Benson. Benson will know and probably laugh as I share all this, but you know, I've, I've got multiple different companies in different industries, but I came to you guys specifically with, with a, an offer that we ended up we, we still have it, but we, we transitioned to really what I was trying to get to. And this is the reason why I came to you guys, but the journey to get there, man, it was like, I, I had all these thoughts and ideas and I wanted to do all these things and, and, and we're still able to do those things, but in the way that we finally got to the place where I can deliver those things, it's 
in one thing, one thing, one offer, one thing that I can focus on um, in, in this piece of my portfolio. And, and I love it. It's, it makes it so much more simple, but it was getting there and getting through all of the different directions that I thought I needed to go. Um, that obviously even just you guys and your guys' program and do a little plug for you guys, but was able to help even a seasoned, uh, entrepreneur like myself be able to hone in and go, okay, like simplification is really that important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that perspective. Okay. So let's, let's move on here. I've got a question about disciplines and obviously Tanner and both actually both you Benson as well have spoke about discipline around sports and stuff, but around business decisions, is there some sort of a discipline or a process that you have around making decisions in the business? I mean, I think two things. The first thing I do is I look what's the upside, what's the downside. A lot of times if there's no downside and there's only upside, that's a decent decision. There's very few times where it's like, well, nothing bad can happen. Only good things can happen, but I shouldn't do it. That's rare. Right. Um, The other thing is then at least with my team, I make the final decisions, but I try to like bounce the idea. I'm like, this is what's happening. This is what I think. Does anyone disagree? More times than not, people will be like, no, like that's logical. But I, I bring it up to at least hear different viewpoints to see if there's something I'm missing or they think I'm missing before I make an executive decision. Because otherwise, there's really no point in like asking the team. So I, as, the, as the business gets bigger, that's something I've done. But I, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I do, to be honest, like now. That's great. Benson, you want to add anything there? Yeah, I mean, I would just say like Tanner does a good job with that, just to kind of add on that a little bit. And what I notice even with, you know, the division that I'm in charge of with the coaches is that all come together and see what ideas they may have. And, you know, they'll come together with some ideas. And even if I don't like it, right, you know, I'm giving them the opportunity to come up with ways and think and, you know, actually take action and grow in their positions. So, I think that's one thing that I think a lot of business owners could do well at, as in just listening to their team more. You can you can have the final say, that's fine. But I think when you're able to get your team more involved, it makes the process more enjoyable for, for you, for one, because you don't have to put as much bandwidth into it. And then number two is it allows your team to feel more fulfilled in their position, which I think like if your team feels in line with your vision, then you'll be able to go farther at the end anyways. Yeah, that's huge. I love it. Okay. Um, are you guys ready for the speed round? Sure. Let's We're going to go it. fast. One word answers. Uh, if you can, I might dig in afterwards. I'm, I'm kind of notorious for that. So I'll ask you both. Tanner, first, if there's only one metric that you could track in all the business, what do you track? What's the one thing? Mm, new sales and attrition. If I could only do one of those, then attrition. Okay. And Benson? I, I'm, in, I'm in fulfillment. So it'd be upgrades for me. <laughs> there you go. That's the one metric. Both, both associated to sales. And, and obviously that's a, a big part of the business. I'm curious to know your thoughts uh, around attrition. What, why, why did that come up first? Uh, because as we're trying to get to the next level of the business, we, we realize that, you know, it's far easier to keep the client than get new clients. And, you know, something like we literally weren't even tracking it that well until like recently. And I'm looking and I'm like, dude, how many clients are we losing a month? Because we got to a pinnacle where dude, we were freaking like a hundred clients a month, like at five figure prices. I mean, it was insane plus respawns. Right. So, but I don't think we were ever tracking how much attrition we had. And so what happens is if you can get your attrition low, like I think the goal, if you can get it down to 10% or less, like the margins and everything just gets way easier because you don't have to make a million sales every month. But if it's like, you know, 30, 40% where most online businesses are, it's just constant churn and burn. And uh, it's hard. And so, 
you know, we're paying a lot more attention to that now. And it also helps you make a great client experience because if they're leaving, there's a reason they're leaving. And then you find out what those reasons are and you can fill the holes. Yeah. Um, And that's just like, I've just always been so sales oriented that like, you know, you forget like sales is sexy. No one wants to talk about fulfillment, but that's, that's how the big boys play. And so I, I've realized as I get older, a lot of the stuff that like, isn't so sexy to beginners is like the boring stuff, the hard stuff, you know, it's just like, you got to beat that drum um, over and over again. That's what gets the long-term results. I love that perspective too. And even just um, to throw two cents into the attrition because you can't save everybody, right? But sure, the, the, the point there is that you're creating this experience that's delivering results and it's actually about the client, which is, goes back to your purpose in being in the business. It's about helping people. It's about serving them. It's about actually delivering what you say that you're going to deliver. Um, and it's funny, I used to work for a pretty big sales guy and it, it, it was like, Dude. look, three to four months, and then forget about them. Like, just go get another sale. And I just, I just was like, you know what? Like, you're right. There's a lot of people out there and we could go make another sale, but why are we even here? Are we just here for the money? Clearly we are. And as a human, I think that's what you're describing is that as a human, you realize, well, wait a second, what's happening on the back end? You know? Yeah. Um, am well, I as good as I say that I am? <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, yeah, right. So you're not as good as you say you are. It's also long-term reputation. Like when, I mean, I'm four years in now. And so I mean, I, we, I think we all could look back and say, like, I wish I had handled that better or that situation better. I mean, I know I definitely have situations with past clients or people where I was like, that wasn't very mature. But long term, if you do the right thing and I think you try to help people and you're like, you really build a quality product. And on top of the product, Chaz, it's just also giving a shit. Like, we've really added in a ton of stuff to just enhance the experience that really has nothing to do with results, but it's just, it's what are you doing that other people aren't doing? And every time I look at business, it's like, what are we doing that other people aren't? And every time you're doing something that someone else isn't, it gives you a competitive advantage where people are like, well, the last program didn't give me this, or they didn't send me cars. They didn't send me a gift box. They don't have live events. They don't reach out to me every you know week. Like they don't have chat. Like, it's just like, what else can we do? And, and, and so putting more of a focus on that, even if the client doesn't get the best results or they struggle, like it's acting like you care and you, obviously you should care, but it's like, can you even act like it? Cause some businesses, it's just like, you can obviously tell, like they yeah. don't care at all. And, and that hurts you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. All right, next question. What book would you recommend to a six-figure owner trying to get to seven? Mine. I was going to, I was, I was giving you, I was, I served it up to you on a silver. Oh, What's it called, man? Leia, baby. Um, dude, <laughs> dude, honestly, I like my book, but the other one is like, um, Hermosi's book is great. I mean, and he, you, you could tell my man, he's got the book right on the screen. There you go. But uh, the $100 million offers book, when, when I read that book, I thought two things. One, I was like, that was such a great book, just about that one thing. And I'd wish I had done something different with my book. Cause I tried to kind of cover everything. Yeah. But then the second thing I was, was like, I could tell how much time he put into that because my book, I don't, it's not that I didn't try, but compared to what I read from him, I was like, dude, he really like, you could tell, like he put time into that book. And that actually set like a new bar for me of like how much better I need to do. Because it, like, it was just so good. And I, yeah. I, I thought that was such a great book and broken down for beginners. We actually send that book to our clients with my book when they sign up. So that's awesome. Yeah. So just to make it clear, uh, Tana Chittister, uh, Infinite Income, 
Uh, great book. Grab it on Amazon, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. So second to last question. Uh, obviously, you guys run a mastermind. So to, to intentionally network and mastermind is kind of a dumb question, but maybe I'm going to change it. Instead of do you intentionally network and mastermind with other entrepreneurs, what specifically are you looking for when you do it? Because I already know that you do, obviously. So like when I personally network? Or when you, yeah, or when you, when you join a mastermind or when you're trying to get around oh. other elite entrepreneurs, that type of thing. I guess for me, like, I just try to ask the question that like needs to be asked. I try, I try to think about what is it that I don't know yet that I need to know, or what are they doing that, um, I should be doing, or sometimes it's even, what are they not doing that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? Right. And so a lot of times I try to shut up and I just try to listen. I try not to say as much. I try to just kind of sit there. If they ask me something, I'll answer, but like it's, it's, it's just listening and being like, I don't need a lot of like handholding. I just need strategy and higher level thoughts. And I think part of that is why now with all the skills I have, I can take an idea and I can implement it very quickly without any direction. Like, Hey, just do this. And it's like, you know, I heard Alex talk about cold outbound. I brought him up a few times, but you know, we've just been cup good friends. And I was like, okay, like I need to be doing that. I immediately just like started doing it. I've started figuring it out. we got our metrics where they need to be. You know, it took a while to dial in, but um, that that's like, that's what I look for is like, there's, it's just who's ahead of me. What are they doing or not doing? And then I just try to listen or ask those right questions. And it usually will come to me if I'm just patient enough, instead of like, you know, go in and ask a bunch of stupid questions and they're just wasting their time. Like, bro. So I don't know if that's a good answer, but no, it's a great answer. Benson, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think for me, it's a little different in the sense that whenever I, I, I try to connect with other individuals, I try to be just like helpful and give them insight to the, to the perspectives that we've experienced just because like what's been helpful to us, they might find helpful as well. And so just giving them a new perspective, I think that's probably my favorite part about networking or being in programs or masterminds is you can come together and bounce ideas off of each other. And then you can feed off of that energy and you can take certain snippets and components and put that into your own offer and, you know, give it your own twist. That's personally my favorite part. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Last question, Tanner, if you lost it all, what would you do? Bro, I'd be hitting DM so hard. <laughs> I would smash those things. I remember when I was building the business, I my fingers were getting arthritis, like not even joking. They they were twitching and like hurting. But it it what the cool thing when that happened, when I started making online sales, I was like, it's literally just effort. It's literally like if you're willing to sit down and just work all day, you can make multiple six figures a year, like easily. Not, I shouldn't say easily, but it's like I could I could make half a million dollars a year just selling my own podunk service with one employee and and do that. And like, and that's the thing I like about growth is like you get to new levels and your entire perspective just completely changes. And you're like, it's like a whole new world, right? Like right. you're in Peter Pan land or something. And that was cool for me. And that still happens where I'm like at this level and I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of the possibilities. This is that. And then someone comes in and they're like, nope, this is the possibility. And and I enjoy that stuff. So anyways, I'm sorry to go off tangent, but I, I would just good. start messaging people, man. I would just start a new offer or start the same one I have. I'd start reaching out to people. And before you know it, I'd be a millionaire again, you know? Yep. 
100%. Benson, anything to add to that? I mean, dude, t- Tanner hit it on the head. I mean, just simplify the process. Focus on money-making activities. It, like, if that happened to us, it would be focusing 100% on money-making activities. Worry about fulfillment. Worry about your funnels. Worry about everything later. Because, like, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. And I, like, Mark Cuban has a quote, and I love it. And I'm paraphrasing. But he pretty much just says, like, sales is the most important part of your business. And in doing so, in getting sales, you're able to actually stay ahead of what your customers' needs are and service them better. And so just some food for thought for those of you who might be like too concerned or over concerned about that, but that's what we'd be doing. I love it guys. Okay. So how does someone connect with you guys? Obviously if you, they connect with you, they want to reach out, maybe they want to join your, your program. They want to, they want to create a new offer. How do they connect with you? How do they find you? Well, either Benson's Instagram at Benson Chittister or mine at Tanner.Chittister and then just EliteSeals.com. That's kind of our main site. You can go there. If you're scared, you can look us up on Trustpilot. Love that site. We actually started Trustpilot. For anyone who's listening, it's a verified uh, review site for clients. And we actually started that because someone left us a bad review. And now it's like, we have like four bad reviews. I think we have like 138 five stars. So it was worth it. But uh, yeah, those, those would be kind of the places, yeah. Yeah. And obviously just, uh, as a, as a secondary note here, um, if you are an entrepreneur, um, specifically somebody who's online wanting to scale or, or even start a new offer, when you guys have heard me talk about spending a lot of money on coaches, um, it's gone right to this guy's pocket. So, um, and, and then he's divided it out over his team, which has been great. So, um, I just appreciate these guys, appreciate them being here to give you guys, the listeners, uh, value because they didn't have to do this. And, um, and so I just appreciate them for doing that. And if you want to connect with them, you sh- I would highly recommend it. So, Guys, appreciate you being here. Yeah. Wish you nothing but absolute success in everything that you do. And obviously, we're uh, we're more than connected. So, Pleasure, man. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.